Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we're coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Greg Giannotti, Brian Jones. Gio and Jones across the country on CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> so a college football weekend highlighted by a couple of matchups. The first we're going to talk about the Red River Showdown is this weekend. And unfortunately for both teams, and I say both teams for a reason, Oklahoma lost last week, of course, as we know and we talked about and it's obvious why it's unfortunate for Oklahoma, but it's also unfortunate for Texas in the sense that they could have been the team that upset Oklahoma and knocked them out of the playoff. They could have been the team. This this could have been ripe for the picking for them, and now they're getting an Oklahoma team that's extra pissed off, and you don't want that. Not that that's, this game isn't all about emotion, but right. you come off that loss. I mean, it definitely is a catalyst for them to go out there and make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, you would have thought the way that defense for Oklahoma played on the road in Waco versus Baylor, that that would have been a catalyst for them to come off their bye week and play much better versus Iowa State. That didn't occur. You have this this Kemp kid playing for Iowa State at quarterback. You had Lanning, former quarterback, playing as well, who's now their current middle linebacker. So he was going two ways uh, for them. And yet they were still able to move the ball on Oklahoma. So there are some problems on that back end of that defense. There's a problem across the board for that defense that played so well in, in the horseshoe versus Ohio State, second game of the season. And so they didn't fix those problems uh, during the bye week after the Baylor ball game, and I know they're going to be trying desperately to fix them as they head into the Red River rivalry, and which is understand, understandable. But on the flip side, uh, to, to your point, though, yeah, anytime you can beat OU, whether they're coming off a loss or not, you're happy to, to defeat them. But Texas defensively didn't play as well last week versus K-State. I thought they would make Kansas State one-dimensional. They left wide receivers open all night long. They got stops when they needed to late in that ball game and won and ultimately in overtime. But they had to be sitting there thinking, did we regress? What's going on here? We need to play better on the defensive side of the ball. And especially going up against Baker Mayfield, who has yet to throw an interception this season, 15 touchdowns, no picks. So he's going to do his thing. He's going to extend plays. you got to plaster these wide receivers on the back end, unlike last week. So uh, hopefully Texas defensively can get right and OU will continue to sputter on that side of the ball. But I, I think both defenses will come in and play better than they have in the past. And Oklahoma has not lost back-to-back regular season games since 1999. Yep, Stoops' first year there. Yeah, so that and is... And who beat them? The that, Longhorns. That's right. Mm-hmm. History going to repeat itself? Maybe. Lincoln Riley, first year coaching. Lose oh, one. that's right. That did. Yeah, mm, I think history repeats itself here. Yeah. At least I'm hoping that that, that occurs. Oklahoma, and, a nine-point favorite in the game. And, uh, and I, give it to me. Is it nine now? I saw eight and a half. It's up to nine? Uh, let me see. I'll check the latest check that. one. But uh, Ellinger, uh, I believe he has won the starting job there at Texas. Uh, this guy has shown toughness as a, as a, a true freshman. Uh, he, show, he showcased that versus USC a couple 
weeks ago, and he's going to make some freshman mistakes. But this guy gives this offense a certain energy, and he just goes out there and balls. And, and you love what you witness from him as far as his mannerisms out there on the field. It doesn't look too big for him. He's going to make some mistakes. That's what freshmen do. But uh, this guy, I believe, is going to be the starter moving forward. Yeah, consensus in Vegas is 8.5 right okay. now in that in that game. I'll take those points. And this would be, I mean, uh, I hate using the cliche phrase of signature win. But, well, I mean, it certainly would be for Tom Herman. Right. I mean, and, and he knocked him off, remember, a, a year sure. ago yep. when they were waltzing to Houston and no one gave him a chance to, to beat Oklahoma and he beat him. Yeah. And that, that, of course, the season didn't go. I mean, that was the best moment for them, no doubt. Uh, there with Houston, things sort of changed down well, the stretch. They whipped up on Louisville. Uh, as well, and, and the Heisman Trophy winner, eventual Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, no, they they did, but uh, you know, Tom Herman. I think what's work what worked against him going into this year is the fact that he got off to such a great start at Houston, and that that almost worked concurrently against him, if that's even the right word. But it worked negatively against him because everybody expected him to, to just waltz in, and this team would be five and zero heading into this game. As opposed to, to three and two, I don't I don't believe they thought they, Texas would beat SC. They thought they'd be a close game, which it was. That went overtime. But if you were being truthful with yourself as a Texas fan, you didn't think they'd go to California and knock off that team. And so you know maybe sitting there with just uh, one loss instead of two, especially didn't expect Maryland. I thought Maryland would play them tough, but to to just drub them in the manner in which they did and, and out physical the Texas team. No, didn't foresee that coming. A competitive game, yes. Yeah. So I thought they'd be sitting here at least with one loss, the SC game, and, and, and that's it. Uh, and the defense has played better until last week. Uh, so we'll see if they can find that magic again on that side of the ball. All right, how about the game that you guys have on Saturday on CBS? Back-to-back LSU games after losing to Troy. Uh, you've got... <laughs> it's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. But you've got number 10, Auburn, traveling to... LSU, which should be an interesting matchup. The, the the spread's only seven the last time I looked in this game. And, of course, LSU looking a hell of a lot better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They look like an, an inspired team, one that understood what they needed to do on that side of the ball as opposed to getting totally pushed around and embarrassed against Troy. So it'll be a test for Auburn, but I really do like Auburn. Yeah, they, they, they got back uh, one of their, their best defensive linemen, arguably their best defensive lineman, Rashard Lawrence, a week ago. So he's steadily trying to get healthy. He did leave the game momentarily last week during the Swamp versus Florida. He's been dealing with an ankle injury. And you're right, they played more inspired football, more passion, more energy uh, for this football team offensively. Uh, they they use motion like crazy, and that's the Matt Canada stamp. Uh, he, he wants to motion, try to confuse the defense, all that went window dressing, but they didn't score in the second half. They did nothing in the second half. Florida shut them down, uh, and the running game at times ran well, especially late. Guys had some big-time big, big time runs to extend drives and, and bleed the clock. Uh, but uh, going up against this Auburn defense, that is legit. These guys are damn good. Last week was the first time all year they've allowed over 14 points in a game, and that's all Clemson got against them was 14. And you had your you, 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 your backups in there at that point. That's why Ole Miss was able to, to make some hay late in that, that football game. But offensively, Stidham is getting better. And I've been saying this all year. This guy basically sat out for two years. And now you're jumping back into big-time college football and the SEC West, the toughest division in all of college football. And you've got receivers that are now starting to step up. The last three ball games, uh, they've had at least 10 
passes that went for 20-plus. So you're getting more explosive plays in your passing game. The running game has been there. Kerryon Johnson lights out last week, 204, and uh, three touchdowns. He leads the nation with 12 rushing touchdowns. So the running game has been there with Petway and Johnson. Now Stidham and those receivers, they are finding their stride. And if they can continue to do that, I think Auburn wins this ballgame. I think they won it anyway. Remember last time Auburn was there? This is when Leonard Fournette was tossing would-be tacklers oh, yeah. like horseshoes. <laughs> no one wanted to hit him. They were jumping over him. It was an embarrassment. But I don't think you'll see that in this ballgame. This defense is, is lights out. I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way, but I've got upset alert radar on Georgia Tech Miami. Because yeah, a lot of people are saying that, yeah. I just that's that's the the feel I have and it's it's people say that it's a it's a game, you know, let down spot for Miami after Florida State. Everybody's saying um, you know, the U is back, the U is back. They end up losing Mark Walton to a season-ending mm-hmm. ankle injury. Uh, so that's going to impact their running game in a big way. And oh, by the way, Georgia Tech after losing the season opener to Tennessee has done nothing but just crush people. Yeah. An average score of 35 to 11 in their three wins after the opening loss to Tennessee. So uh, that is a game to to really keep an eye on. It's it's a Miami home game and they're favored in it naturally and they're a damn good team that has done some really good things this year, but uh, Paul Johnson might have something for him this week. Yeah, and in addition to losing Walton, uh, they've got a banged-up offensive line as well. I think it's uh, Navon who uh, may be out for this one, uh, one of their guards. Uh, and, and Armand Richards, who just came back. Uh, Richards just re-entered uh, the lineup a couple weeks ago versus Duke, and, and he may be out as well. Uh, but I, I like the way Rozier's playing. I like the fact they went to some RPOs last week in that game versus – uh, Florida State and ultimately won in, in a thriller. Uh, it's been seven years of uh, angst there at Miami, having lost to Florida State uh, those the last seven years. But defensively, what bothered me about last week's performance is they, they were so undisciplined. They were all over the damn place. And they have a ton of talent. You look at Quarterman and, and Pinkney uh, at the linebacker position, a ton of talent in that front seven, uh, some issues in, on the back end. But you have to play discipline assignment football when you're taking on Georgia Tech. They didn't do that last week versus Florida State. And Florida State rushed for over 200 yards against this Miami. And and that freshman Cam Akers, he had over 100, his first 100-yard uh, game as a, as a collegiate player. Uh, so they have to be more disciplined this week. If they don't, this is going to be ugly. It will be ugly. This Marshall kid uh, is leading uh, Georgia Tech in rushing at the quarterback position. Uh, so they have to look at that film like, damn, Manny Diaz, defense corner, like, we, we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything as far as taking care of our responsibilities and, and playing with solid technique. You have to do this, do that this week or it's going to be really, really a long afternoon. We had Ken Niamatololo on, yep. Navy head football coach, yesterday and in an American Athletic Conference matchup against Memphis this week where the over-under in that game is 71 and a half. Mm which I believe is the highest of the slate. You got 70 for East Carolina, UCF. What about uh, Texas Tech, West Virginia? It's higher than that one? Let me look. Let me try to find that one. In this game, Navy, we talked to Coach Neil Matalolo, and and he he talked about how they tweaked their offense. They went more shotgun than they ever done. You're right, 75, Texas Tech, West Virginia. That one's usually uh, pretty high. Uh, Big 12 offenses. Uh you, you you look at that way they tweaked their offense, went from the shotgun, more of a pistol look than your traditional uh, flex bone that they, they use there. And uh, they 
just went up and down the field. But uh, oddly enough, it was a touchdown pass there to Kimona from uh, Zach Aby to Kimona uh, that won the game for them. What's challenging for Memphis, one, well, how many possessions will you have? And, and, and Navy's so good, and Georgia Tech, too, at, at, at possessing the ball. They go on these 10, 12-play drives. And, and and so can you get Navy off the field? And what what's going to be problematic for Navy? Air Force was able to pass on this defense a week ago. And, and Riley Ferguson, the quarterback there at, at Memphis, seven touchdown passes last week versus UConn. And, and and can they can Navy defenders can they play better on the back end to shut down this passing game of Raleigh Ferguson? A report from CBS Sports says that Penn State is preparing for James Franklin to be run at by Texas A and M. Okay, so it's, good for him. Yeah, good for him because he just got another right. contract right. extension. Yeah, so. If you think about, well, not another one. It was his first big one there, I believe. So if you think about him, he, who is now one of the highest-paid coaches in college football, might get another raise because Texas A&M could come knocking. Franklin got a three-year extension for for $19.7 million, and it uh, takes him through 2022 season. And his buyout is only $2 million. Excellent coach, and I said from day one after the, the Mac, Mac Brown tenure that ended at University of Texas that Franklin was tops on my list. Not to say I was against Coach Strong being hired, but to- Franklin was tops considering what he had done there at, at Vanderbilt. And nine win seasons a couple times as the head coach there at Vanderbilt. And, and just this was the guy who was the coach in waiting at Maryland, and, and now he's going on, going on to success at Vanderbilt and success winning a Big Ten championship a year ago there at Penn State, and, and, and now uh, there may be other suitors for him. I don't see him foresee him leaving. He's, he's talked many times about how this is his dream job from the Pennsylvania area and, and so are from Pennsylvania. And, and so I don't believe he, 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 he goes elsewhere, but it'd be good for his bank account if he can leverage this now sure. into more money. I, I don't know why you would leave that situation right now mm-hmm. with, with what you've built yeah. and, and go to a place that's just the odds are stacked against you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what a lot of these places that have high expectations run into in, in the SEC and, and, and other places is just that, all right, you're expected to win. There's a lot of money that we're pumping into this thing. We're going to pay the coach a lot of money to turn it around. We saw other programs get turned around, like this example and that example, and we want you to be the guy to do it, and then you don't get enough time to end up fixing it, or the expectations are so damn high that you just can't meet them. So when you're in a place where you're winning yeah. and you're recruiting well and you've and it's it's a place like Penn State, you know, outside of the the horrible scandal, it's got a lot of rich history. Why would you leave for another job? And it's your dream job, right? Well, that's what he that's what everybody says. Right? He said that. Nah, everyone doesn't say that. This oh. is definitely his dream job. Todd Graham said it three different times. At Pitt, he said it three. No, different, he yeah. didn't. And yeah, he, he believed did. him. He, and he said it at Arizona State. He said it at Rice. He says it every. No, day. he didn't. He didn't say it. No one says that at Rice. You crazy? Well, he definitely said it at Pitt and Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna get fired, and it's whatever well, job he gets next will be his dream job. Yeah, <laughs> no one says that. Tom Herman says it about UT because, yeah, of course that's your dream job. Uh, who wouldn't want that big gig? But Kevin Sumlin, what's your I think dream that, job, uh, Brian? Uh, my dream job would be, hmm, I don't know. I think I'm living it. Are you I'm living my dream job? I can do radio. I'm doing television. Hmm. I'm living it. I'm living a dream. 
Are yes. you? Are you yes, really living your dream? Yes, I say even, that all the time. Even with that alarm and the winters well, here, that's, that's that's a nightmare. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's really well, not. Like everyone, eventually your dream gets interrupted, right? Sure. Yeah, during, during a particular season around here. Yeah, it's, living it's your not, dream. I'm living it. What's your dream job? Hmm. And then I'll get to Kevin Sumlin. Uh, probably to not have one. <laughs> I'm with you. That would sitting be on my... the beach. To have accomplished something, yes. though, yep. to have accomplished something, mm-hmm. so I'm not just getting money from somebody else, right? And then to live off my accomplishments somewhere would be the dream. That's your dream existence. Dream existence. Yeah. yeah. Dream job, of course, is hosting a radio show. There you go. Cool. That's, that's so what I wanted a, to do. You're living a dream too. I am living the dream. You, you started at the bottom. Now you're here. Yeah. You were an intern. That's right. Intern. A lot of people look, were. Look at you now. Yeah, well, look at, look look at, at him now. Look at Yeah, that's right. Climbing the rungs of the radio world. <laughs> wow. You go, boy. Oh, thanks, Brian. You, you're welcome. So maybe we'll get an extension like Kevin Sumlin got in 2013. <laughs> uh, 30, probably. 30, $30 million uh, ex- extension. Probably and, not. And uh, no, you know, keep hope alive, man. Come on. Mm. Uh, my, 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 my genie is telling me something's on the horizon. Anyway, uh, Kevin Sumlin, they're trying to get rid of this guy. He's sitting there at 4-2. and two. They went toe-to-toe with Alabama last weekend, and I thought they showed well in that ball game. You end up losing by eight. You're still in it uh, down the stretch. You gift Alabama a, a pretty sizable lead during the first half, but you hold them to only 110 yards of total offense in the second half. You're able to get to Jalen Hurts, so the defense played much better like they needed to. So if not for those mistakes, interceptions on the goal line, penalties, turnovers, uh, you, you may win that ball game at home. I think they went in the swamp this weekend. I like the way they run the ball. Mon, he can evade defenders. Uh, you got Ford or Williams, any given – Saturday, they can be your 100-yard 100, 100, uh, back. Uh, Christian Kirk, uh, speedster, special teams as a wide receiver. And defensively, they lose Miles Garrett and Deshaun Hall, the two bookends at defensive end a uh, season ago. Now you got this Jared Johnson kid and Landis Durham who are combined for nine and a half sacks. So they're playing better on the defensive side of the ball. Now go on the road and beat a one-trick pony uh, that is Florida offensively. Now Jim uh, Jim McElwain saying they want to go more up tempo and and things of that nature this week, a, a faster pace on the offense. We'll see if that helps. But the Malik Davis, he's a hell of a freshman running back there. I think you give it to him at least 15, 20 times at the least and see what he can do. And defensively, they got a lot of guys hurt last week in that ball game versus LSU. As, as many as five starters could be out. Coming up next, we'll have an Andrew Bogus update, and then we'll give you the layman terms explanation of what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys with Amy Dash, our CBS Sports Radio legal analyst. Keep it right here. I feel like I could do that type of singing, like this type of singing here. Doing face. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gio and Jones, Gio and the CBS Sports. Oh, I think you got it. The Nationals went to Max Scherzer in the fifth inning of Game 5 with the Cubs last night. They led 4-3. Scherzer retired the first two he faced, and then the wheels fell off. The pitch to Russell. He hits a ground ball fair. Down into the left field corner. Contreras will score. Zobris coming around third. Cubs lead. 5-4. to four. Addison Russell with a two-run double. Len Casper on Cubs Radio Chicago added two more on a drop third strike and throwing error and a hit batter with the bases loaded. The lead grew to 9-6 before a 9-8 lead when closer Wade Davis 
struck out Bryce Harper for a seven-out save. Dusty Baker's team again dies before the NLCS. We gave away at least, you know, three or four runs. And we had a lot of opportunities. Uh, I think we left 14 on base. The Nats have won the NLEs four times since 2012 and each time lost in the DS, three times falling in Game 5 at home. Game one again, LCS is tomorrow night at Dodger Stadium. Clayton Kershaw starts for L.A. Dallas Keuchel and Masahiro Tanaka on the mound as the ALCS starts in Houston tonight. The Yankees lining up Luis Severino, CC Sabathia, and Sonny Gray after Tanaka. Thursday night football in Carolina was a 10-10 game at halftime. And then three receivers left. Ertz right. Wentz in the gun. He's back again. He's looking. He is firing. And it is caught. Touchdown, Zach Ertz, his second of the game. And it came after Cam Newton's second pick of the game. Merrill Reese called it on Eagles Radio Philly, a 28-23 win. Carson Wentz, three touchdown passes. Newton added a third pick as his team's two-game winning streak ended. All the Eagle TDs came, by the way, after Carolina linebacker Luke Keekley suffered a concussion. The NFL with a pseudo-victory in court yesterday, so Ezekiel Elliott is once again under a six-game domestic violence suspension by a 2-1 to vote. The 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals decided Elliott's lawyers went outside the NFL's CBA when they requested an injunction in that Texas court before Elliott went before an arbitrator. As of now, Elliott can't play until November 30th against Washington. And finally, it's been a while since we heard this. Right corner to Metzikoff. At feet in front. Score! Step goes! Michigan's back on lightning rain. That's Steven Stamkos' first goal since last November because of right knee surgery. Tampa Bay beat Pittsburgh 5-4. Can't stand that guy. It's just so annoying. He hates you too. Well, yeah. good. <laughs> because I don't want anybody who sounds like that liking me. All right. We've got Amy Dash. Pete, hit it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. She is the CBS Sports Radio legal analyst, and she's joining us. <laughs> She requested uh, this. She requested this. Yes. <laughs> she wanted some fitty. <laughs> yes, y'all give me fitty when y'all bring me up. Way more than you hate it. You mad? I thought that you'd be happy I made it. I'm the cat by the ball, toasting to the good life. Beep, beep, beep. The rest is censored. <laughs> you go, girl. Yes. Hey, turn it up, Pete. It's a <laughs> party. <Yeah. laughs> Wow. Now we know how she messed up her arms. She was breakdancing and fitted. This is my dream to combine legal analysis with 50 Cent. Wow. Well, let's do it. It sounds like a show to me. You can wrap all the decisions and the injunctions. uh, Hey, Pete, get the beat from Magic Stick next. (laughs) We can just keep rotating it. I'm calling the request from here on in. Come on. Okay. There you go. Wow. That was very impressive, baby. Very much so. All right. Thanks. You know what? We want to make the law fun, right? Thank you. Start yawning. It's already early in the morning for everybody. It's very true. And uh, we saved the legal stuff for you when we were talking about this earlier in the show. All right. So basically, at this juncture, Ezekiel Elliott is suspended. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, it's discretionary if the NFL wants to wait. But I think after all of this, and after they lost, they think they're just going to go straight into the suspension as quickly as they can. And then the NFLPA is going to run to New York and try to get another emergency hold to put a stop to the suspension. Basically, they're going to do the same thing they did in Texas. They're going to try to do it here in New York. It's just a matter of how fast can they get it and, and can they get it. There's a bye week, luckily, so hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, and what are the odds, in your opinion, that the NFLPA can have another victory with – 
what they're trying to do? It depends on whether the, the New York court is uh, abreast of what went on in Texas and tainted by it. Like, let's say they had just gone to New York in the first place. I think they would have had an amazing shot at getting the, the um, restraining order. And I think they still do have a really good shot. It's just a matter of are they going to run, are the judges going to rush to do this, or are they going to take their time because of everything that's happened so far? And the reason I think that they have a really good shot is because even though this is technically Brady land in New York and the precedent stands for the fact that the courts don't want to fear, interfere with the arbitrations, Brady also stood for the fact that if something is fundamentally unfair, the courts are going to step in. And here, when you don't even have the accuser testifying, and you have the lead notes of the investigator and the conclusions not being part of the final decision, that would constitute unfairness. So I still think they have an amazing case. It's just a matter of how fast can they get the restraining order, and will the judges think that this has just become ridiculous at this point? So what, what you're saying is that the, the fact that the Fifth Circuit did not address the failure of due process, there's still a case there, there's some, some legs left for, uh, uh, for Ezekiel Elliott to run on, uh, no pun intended, and, and this was all about getting ahead of yourselves and, and, and going and filing prior to Harold Henderson even uh, giving his ruling. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brian. I don't even have to say anything. You just hit me on the head. I mean, that this was all a technicality. Cool. Well, go ahead and wrap some more in. You got it. I mean, you can now double as the legal analyst because you just summarized the whole twenty-two page ruling. No, I, I'm just I'm just going to be your, your manager during your rapping <laughs> career. We're, we're going to take this this act on the road, man. I like this. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you you just got it exactly right. This was all about them going too early and filing before the decision came out. So the fact that the, the Fifth Circuit, they send this back to the lower court, I believe that's Manzant or Mazzano there in Dallas. Amos. Amos. Yeah. They send that back to Amos. They tell Famous him he, Amos. They tell him, he, yes, he has to dismiss this case. And so you dis, he dismisses it, and then the, the Ezekiel Elliott team, they just have to refile it. Well, actually, the NFL beat them to it while they were waiting for the Texas court to rule. The NFL already filed in New York to enforce uh. the suspension. So now... Um, the NFLPA has to go and fight it. Talking to Amy Dash, our CBS Sports Radio legal analyst, is this just another example of the NFL eventually is going to win with this because of the language in the CBA as it pertains to the personal conduct policy? I don't think so because I think here you have a unique set of facts where already one judge has found that there was some sort of a conspiracy by the NFL to hide evidence. Um, The arbitration... I believe, was not completely fair if there's not essential and critical evidence, like what's more critical than an accuser's testimony. Um, So it's different from the Brady case in that in the Brady case, the unfairness argument was that one of the NFL's lawyers didn't testify. Here, it's that, like I said, the accuser didn't testify. I think it's a big difference. And Brady did say if there is fundamental unfairness, the court should step in. Um, So this whole thing in Texas was just on a technicality. And the NFLPA, had they waited for that decision to come out and then run and filed in Texas and gotten it into Texas, then he probably would have played the whole season. But here's the thing. They knew that the, the NFL had an advantage because the NFL knew when the decision was coming down. So the NFL would know to run to New York maybe even before Harold Henderson made his decision public. So they didn't think that they could get it into Texas. 
that's why they tried to do this maneuver where they went too early. And they won at the district level, but the Court of Appeals kicked it out because they don't want everybody who's bargained for an arbitration to now run to the court before the arbitration's finished. It would clog the entire system. You'd have people from all types of businesses, sports. I mean, anybody who's got a contract is now going to say, well, I don't have to wait for the arbitration to finish. If I don't think it's going well for me, I'm going to run to court. So that's really why they kicked it out. Hmm. So just so we're clear, Zeke Elliott, there's still a little hope for you and, and your legal team because the due process has not been addressed. So that's what you need to lean on. And, and the next time, pump your brakes before you go and try to file an appeal or, or, or receive an injunction. Yeah, yeah, wait for the decision to come out. Because the court said that they didn't buy the NFLPA's argument that he was going to, that Harold Henderson was going to rule against him anyway. You know, he, yeah. the NFLPA said, what's the point of waiting? Henderson's not going to rule in our favor. And the court said, well, how do you know that? You still had a 50 50 shot. Isn't there a precedent that, uh, yeah. that they could lean on that say, well, here's the reason why we, we know he's going to rule in favor of the NFL? Yeah, yeah. The, the court said, you really don't know because he could have ruled any way. So you have to wait to exhaust the process. Okay. And the, the lower court had basically said, we're going to rule on this now because we believe that there was a conspiracy theory here. And if, if the NFL is doing something that gives the appearance that they're rejecting their, their own process, their own arbitration, then the court should step in. But the higher court said, no way. That exception only applies if the NFL weren't even to do any arbitration. So it's really it's an interpretation of a lot of different nuanced laws. But the bottom line is, now what the Ezekiel Elliott case stands for is the fact that you can't go to court until there's a decision. Amy, we always love hearing from you. Thanks again for the time. I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Okay, sure. Take care. All right, there she goes. Amy Dash, our CBS Sports legal analyst. You did a nice job there, Brian. You broke it down just like a legal analyst yeah, would. Yeah, that's right. You could be our CBS Sports legal analyst. Yeah. I got this. Counselor Jones. Yeah, man. Will you address the court? I will, Your Honor. See, fur, I know I ain't going to get a fair ruling in his here court. You know, black robe, white justice. But that being said, I'm here anyway because I want my $500 an hour. Okay. So let's get on with the proceedings. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I can see you doing a lot of things. A little matlock. A lawyer is one of those things. Really? Yeah, walking in with the suit and the suitcase and the whole deal. As long deal. as I'm not wearing that suit that Herm Edwards is wearing this morning. What the yeah, hell? I, know, I he just saw that on TV. In the dark. Right. He looked like he found a couch that was <laughs> on the side of the road. I, I like the jacket, but. Whoa, that's he's in contempt. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Roger Goodell's wife, more annoying than him. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Greg Giannotti, Brian Jones, Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. The injury report is brought to you by the Salt Institute. Let's take a look at the latest injuries. Luke Keekley, as we discussed earlier, suffered a concussion in the Panthers' loss to the Eagles last night. He is in the concussion protocol. Vikings quarterback Sam Bradford's knee kept him out of practice for a second straight day yesterday. He could still play against the Packers, and they may need him. 
doesn't matter who plays in that game. Let's let's be real. Come on, man. It doesn't matter. It doesn't bona fide pass rush matter. It doesn't matter. Salt isn't just good for measure. It's also good for softer water, which is good for you because soft water makes for smoother skin, silkier hair, and a healthier life. Everything's better with a little salt. See why at a little salt.org. The Wall Street Journal did a piece on Roger Goodell's wife being a Twitter troll. So every time that she would see criticism of her husband, Roger Goodell, on Twitter that really made her angry, she would go to her anonymous Twitter account at for argument mm. and she put her name in as Jones Smith. Jones Smith. I uh, mean Yeah, that'll throw us off the scent. <laughs> really? What a joke. Jones Smith. Ugh. So, you know, some some guy, uh Seth Wickersham said Team America patches, owner infighting, uh, meeting miscommunications, no resolution inside a chaotic NFL week, and then blaming it on Goodell was the article. And she said, reads like a press release from Players Union. You could do better reporting. Team Marie Smith sounds like Donald Trump with inaccurate firebombs. She responded to somebody in October 1st. Mm. Um, there was another one. Goodell, courageous and was right in the end. Leadership is hard. Commission is doing same. Give him credit. When someone was criticizing him over the deflated football saga. So there she was, just defending her husband. Stand now, by my man. I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's it's nice to see that. Yeah. But on a much smaller scale, I'm not comparing this to anything. But, you know, if, if my wife sees someone say something nasty about the radio show or me, her first impulse is to write somebody back. Right. And I tell her, what are you doing? You can't. Do that, and she goes right away. She's like, "I know, I know, I know." It just it just annoys me. It's people. It's blah, 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 blah. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like the fact that anybody gets a reaction is a good thing. So she said it was a really silly thing to do and done out of frustration and love. As a former media member, I was always bothered when the coverage doesn't provide a complete and accurate picture of a story. I'm also a wife and a mom. I have always passionately defended the hardworking guy I love, and I always will. I just may not use Twitter to do that in the future. So Okay, I pre- what are you going to use? Facebook now? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going to go to get the message out? Yeah, just go to the people's doors. And, that, and that's understandable that uh, you would want to protect your loved one and, and, and shoot back at the, the critics. Uh, I get that. And, and we've had it with other athletes. and Their, their spouses have come out and, 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 and said their piece to protect them as well. But I, it, I just think it's the place of the person who's involved in the gig and who's drawing the ire of those critics to respond if they so choose to. Uh, you handle this. Uh, you know, It's not like you want your, 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 your sidekick or someone else to come out and, and do your bidding for you. You, you want to discuss it if you choose to even go that route. And some of it you just let roll off your back. And some of it you, you might want to engage in. It's just... It's never been, I don't think, uh, okay for the spouse or or a someone else in your camp to respond. Uh, you handle it yourself. I know it's difficult, but it is you, very difficult. You, you know, you're not going to win the PR battle if you're the Goodells. I mean, you just got to be pretty happy that you know most owners are still pleased with him. That he's probably going to get another contract extension. He makes thirty some odd million dollars a year or more. 
I mean, that's where you should be okay with things, you know? And, and, and yeah, it's, it's not an easy job, and you tick off a lot of people, and I don't think that he's done an exceptionally good job as commissioner from a fan standpoint. If I was an owner, I'd be thrilled because of the TV deals and how he's been in charge, or when he's been in charge, my pockets have been lined. Uh, but you just got to understand, same thing in this business, same thing if you're a coach's wife, same thing if you're a player's wife. I mean, you're going to get a lot of people who say nasty things about you. That's just the way it is. Yeah, And we always say to the athletes, you have to deal with it. Uh, that's how this thing works. Uh, there are going to be critics out there, some that you may think are qualified to criticize you, others that you don't, but you have to deal with it. And you have to step up to the mic and, and be as magnanimous as possible. And sometimes the situation may not call for that. And, and if you express yourself in a manner that's really genuine and true to you, so be it, and you can get away with it, fine. Uh, but uh, that's just how this works. And it, it's the only – sports is the only – uh, entity where it's 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 it it goes like this. I mean, I think it's the only entity where you're going to have so many people that can pry into your lives, uh, in your profession, and pass judgment on you. I know of no other entity where it's as wide open and and, and as sports. Yeah, that's a, that, I would I would agree with that. You know, on our podcast, we're not allowed to play music on the podcast when people download our podcast. It's just against the rules to have the music that we play on the show. So if we're ever singing to the music, it sounds really funny on the podcast. Right. And we've done this before. We've played back what it would sound like on the podcast. So in a previous break, we played this song that has this high-pitched singing in it. And let's just hear the song first, if you have it. Uh, the high-pitched singing in it. And then we, we, Portland. Sa- yeah, we, we sang along to it. So... It's all right, Pete. Just play whatever you have. If there's a liner in there, it's fine. Let's just hear the damn thing. So, so this was the song. Right. So, I, and I said, you know, I feel like I could sing like that. So, on the podcast without the music, us singing along with that high pitched sound is mm-hmm. going to sound really weird. Mm-hmm. So, Pete pulled it, and this is what it sounds like. <laughs> I feel like I could do that type of singing, like this type of singing here. Oh, I think you got it. There you go. Oh, yeah. The, the listener of our podcast would be enthralled. <laughs> Give me more of that. Wow. That is so raw. I mean, it's great for the artists, of course, but I think what? you nailed it. I thought I did. I mean, yeah. with the music, it sounds good. Without the music, it sounds like I've lost my mind. <laughs> I'm way better than you. <laughs> well, duh. I'm definitely. I had a little bit of jazzy sound in there, too. Yeah. I was getting into it. <laughs> Are you going to keep that on the podcast? People are gonna I just... think you have to. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> it just sounds. That sounds great. Uh, I'll just sit out next time. What's that falsetto singing? That's what they call it. Uh, falsetto, like uh, mine is just false. <laughs> the Four Seasons used to do that, like Sherry, Sherry, baby. Yeah. Now that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're not doing it again, are you? Mm-mm. <laughs> I love it. This boy has skills, right? Uh, boop, 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 boop. 
Bobby Valentine is going to join us next segment. Sweet. He's going to be interesting to talk to with everything that's going on with the Red Sox and in Major League Baseball. And I wonder, you know, even after all the years that he's not been the manager of the Red Sox, does he get joy in seeing them fail? Aha. Because Still holding the grudge. I wonder if he is. And we will ask no. him that next. We've got Bobby Valentine. We've got our picks coming up. We've got a more of a preview of week six in the NFL. It's all on the way. What's that? Oh, and Coop's picks, too. That's oh, right. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Coop's Coop. security guard from Coop and Calhoun. All on the way. Gio <laughs> and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.